Good morning again. Man, I'm so glad. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we have some exciting and incredible things to share with you uh, as we go through the morning. Uh, we're going to have kind of a, you know, Jay Leno late night kind of thing going on up here. And, or something like that. I always want to be on TV. You know, one of the most exciting things about BCC is that we are part of a greater family known as the Church of the Nazarene. And it's such a blessing to be a part of that. And the three core values that our church is based and founded and finds its foundation in are number one, that we're a Christian. As members of the universal church of Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The second thing is we're a holy people. Now we're all working on that one, right? To be holy as he is holy. And we're called to believe to that the Holy Spirit seeks to do a deeper work in our life. And the third thing is we are... Who said missional? God bless you. You can leave 10 minutes early. We're a missional people. And we're a sent. We're, we're responding to the call of Christ and empowered by his Holy Spirit to go into our world. And we witness the, 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 the lordship of Jesus Christ and participate with God in the building of his church. We are a missional people. So what is the GO initiative? You have your little pamphlet there. It's behind me on the screen. What is the GO initiative? Well, I was thinking about it. Some of the final words of Jesus uh, that he spoke to his followers, which we find in Matthew 28, and you all know what it is. It's called the Great Commission. He said, then Jesus said to them, all authority is given in heaven and on earth to me. Therefore, go. There, that's it. You don't get to leave early, though. <laughs> go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice the command is not to just, is not to stay or to hang out in our little, what I call, holy huddles within the church. But Jesus has called us to go into all the world. And that looks so different in so many ways. And here at BCC, the Go Initi Initiative is a systematic way of supporting both local and foreign missions for our church. And it's a way that we can be involved in the going of the Great Commission. How many of you, uh, you know, I just, I, I know God has blessed Myrna and I throughout the years as we've given systematically to missions, and it's just exciting to hear the things that are going on. It's a way that we can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to hear some exciting reports uh, of what has been accomplished through your faithful giving this year in the GO Initiative. And then maybe looking forward to the coming year and how we can continue to carry out the mission of Christ in our world. And so my first guest, and I want you to give her a big round of applause, is local missions and summer, uh, and summer service stuff by Emily. I get to help out Emily. I'm one of her assistants on Monday evening. And it's a joy. And so, Emily, tell us what's going on and, man, what's, what's God doing? Yeah, so first I want to start by saying just a huge thank you to all of you. Um, the missions that we do locally 
We would not be able to do them without your time and your giving. Um, and this past year, it's just been amazing to see all of all of y'all show up um, for our community. Um, and so one big thing that we started back this year um, was the community table. Um, and so our community table is our food pantry and we're the only client choice food pantry in Bentonville. So what that means is um, our families get to come and they shop in kind of like a grocery store setting. We bag their groceries um, and they get everything free of charge. Um, but it kind of just gives back some dignity and people can choose what they want. They don't have to eat stuff they don't like or take stuff they can't cook. So it's, it's really awesome. Um, and right now we're seeing an average of 50 to 60 families per month. Um, and we're hoping to increase that number and hopefully maybe start some kind of like order ahead, like who doesn't love Walmart pickup and you don't have to go shop. So we're working on starting something like that as well, which should help us reach people who aren't available to come, um, or maybe just like don't want to come in and shop. Um, and so that will be super cool in the, the coming year. Um, we also partner with two schools in the Bentonville school system. Um, we partner with Vaughn Elementary and Old High Middle School. And so with Old High Middle School, we do snack packs. Um, and then for, or for Vaughn Elementary, we started doing hygiene packs this year um, that the Open Hands community group put together. And they were so appreciative of those. So that's super awesome. Um, and then for both, we do back-to-school drive, um, where we give, we stock the counselor's office with clothes and shoes, and then also um, school supplies for kids who can't afford them. Um, and then we also offer our Thanksgiving boxes and our Christmas tree of hope to both of these schools as well. Um, so we also partner with Canopy. Um, that is a new thing that we are starting, and so we... Um, Canopy is a program that helps refugees resettle here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and so what we're doing is we have put together a team, and so we will essentially be a family's first friend. And so we'll help them um, just like walk through life in wow. Bentonville and learn kind of how to do things, how to grocery shop, how to work the bus system that's, you know, not great, but so we'll teach them some stuff like that. Um, and so we actually are welcoming a Afghan family of six this month. And so I don't know the exact date, but they will be here this month and we will move them in and share meals with them and just kind of do life alongside them. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, and then the last thing is Thanksgiving boxes, which again, would not be possible without each of you. Um, this past year, we gave out 105 Thanksgiving boxes Amen. to... Um, so we gave those out to people in our community through, through our community partners. Um, and then in addition to that, we also had Thanksgiving food for our families at the table. So this year we were wow. able to do both, which was super cool. Um, and if you've never put together a box, in each box they get a turkey, um, they get Thanksgiving sides, and then they also get a pie. And it is such a cool box, um, and there's directions in there, but basically it's everything that a family needs to be able to have a Thanksgiving meal. 
Um, and so those are our local missions that we did this year. And if this, any of these are something that you're looking at and you are like, wow, that's super cool. I want to get involved. It is not too late. We continue to do all these things. Um, and so if you want to get involved in any of these, you can just reach out to me and I would love to figure out where you feel you fit best. Um, yeah. So then, um, COVID and transition and everything, we um, have not been doing summer of service and I'm so excited that we're welcoming it back because it is super cool. And so we'll have four events this summer. So our first one is gonna be with Saving Grace on June 10th from 9 a.m. to noon. And Saving Grace is transitional housing for women who are aging out of foster care or are at risk of homelessness. And they recently moved to um, Grace Farms, and I actually got to visit it. And there's so much work to do, and they have so many cool things in store. And so we'll know closer to the date what, what we'll be doing, but um, they'll have projects for all ages. So if you want to have you know, a family work day and nice. come out, that'll be super um, like good for the whole family. Um, and then June 28th, from 6.30 to 8, we will do crisis care kits. And you'll get more information about that, but um, crisis care kits is something that the Nazarene Church does, and um, they it it's a kit that goes to places where there's been like a disaster, um, and in it there's soaps and towels and even a stuffed animal um, for people that are in need, and those go all over the world. And then July 12th we will do Pack Shack, um, and if you've ever done Pack Shack, it is really fun there's lots of um, music and it's just like a super fun time with everybody but Pack Shack makes um, nutritious meals that are hoping to aid in the food food insecurity in Northwest Arkansas so we will be packing 16,000 meals on July 12th and those will go to um, the community table but then also we'll share with other um, local food pantries as they as they would like and then lastly, I know this isn't exactly summer, but we're calling it summer of service. So um, September 30th, we are going to go back to um, the, our partner church in, that we partner with for Samaritan's Feet in Springdale to um, give away 400 pairs of shoes to kids from infant to eighth grade. And again, if you have not done a Samaritan's Feet, again, Feet event yet, you should. It's so fun. We get the bouncy houses. It's kind of just like a giant carnival, and like the whole neighborhood shows up, and then um, they also get to have shoes. So, yeah. But um, if you will just, you know, continue to pray with us for each of these missions, and again, thank you. This would not be possible without all of you. Isn't that amazing what God is doing? Don't leave yet. And, all right, so bow your heads. Lord, we just thank you for what Emily is doing and her leadership in these areas. And God, we ask your blessing in the new year, Lord, that your name will be magnified. And we just pray you give Emily strength and wisdom in thy name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for sharing, Emily. That's good stuff. So, uh, my next distinguished guest here on our show. Yes. Well, I'm sorry. That's all right. Yes, some people have told me that. <laughs> uh, this is Kate, and Kate has a title in our church. I do. You do. I thought I maybe you'd have a, like... No, I okay. don't have anything. Anyway, she's our NMI...
Presidente. So hail Presidente. <laughs> and we're so glad that she's here. She gives leadership. And you're going to share with us a little bit more on the global side of missions. And there's lots going on. And and where our Go Initiative funds are helping out around the world. Yeah, so um, for anybody who doesn't know, NMI stands for Nazarene Missions International. Um, so it's a fancy title that says that you guys vote for me and I get to tell you what's going on in the world with the Nazarene Church. Um, so specifically today, we're going to talk through what we're giving to the missions throughout the world. Um, so for Go Initiative, we're giving to the World Evangelism Fund. So what this is, is it helps with missions throughout the world. So specifically giving money to the missionaries. So there's 586 missionaries across 164 world areas. Amen. That's a lot and is doing a lot. Um, I'm not going to go into that though because you're going to hear more about missions later. Um, which in a much more way that I could give you. But the other thing is that World Evangelism Fund goes to is anything that the, the Nazarene Church is trying to do throughout the world. So it could go to helping keep hospitals running. Um, it goes to, we have a broadcast, radio, and television throughout the world. I didn't know that. Um, but it also has been doing this Jesus Film Project for 35 years. And it is now in two, over 2,000 languages and has been viewed by, I think you said 7 billion, 7 people, billion people, but even more impressive, over 6 million people have found Jesus through this film. Amen. And actually, Bessie was telling me some really advanced technology that they're doing with this film, which I think is amazing. So it continues to innovate and it continues to, ch to help lives. Uh, the other things that we use this was for Alabaster Offering. So you may have remembered in September, I asked you for money and I'm probably gonna ask you again for money in September. But, um, so we do have a piece that is donated specifically to our Alabaster Offerings. What this does is it's building. It builds churches and hospitals and schools around the world that, so people can hear about God. So that's what that goes to. And then finally, um, we give to a Lynx family. I don't know if you guys knew this, I have to admit I didn't, and so I'm going to be working on it. Um, there is a, a missions family that we are basically, we get the blessing of helping for three years. Um, so our family is Milton and Olga Gay. I'm going to be working on some fun things that we can bless them throughout the year. So more to come on that, but that's kind of what we're giving our money to. Um, the other thing that we give for Globally is the Dominican. Um, how many of you guys have been to the Dominican? with the church, with this church. Oh. <laughs> so I was fortunate, I got to go on that first trip in 2011 with the teens, and it was actually my first missions trip ever. And so it was just an amazing experience to get to meet them, and that started our partnership. We've had, we've gone five trips now. Um, we helped them build the Mary Coleman School. There, it's just been a blessing that we've had with this family, um, specifically Pastor, Pastor Felix. Um, and his family. So it's just been a really great experience for us. And you guys actually get the opportunity next summer. So May, I can't read that from here. I think it's 18th. Um, we'll get to go with the district. So we're not going to just go with the church, but we're going to go as the district. And we will be in the same, same region as El Factor, but not we're not specifically going to that area, except for to visit the school. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, currently, we only know we only have um, part of the cost. It's 
I've got it somewhere. I, yeah, you can see it on the screen. I can't read it from here. I don't have my glasses on. Um, but we don't have the airfare piece. So it'll be a little bit more than this once we get the airfare. But I just wanted to give you guys the opportunity to see what we're going to do next year and hope you guys can join us. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. A missions project will change your life as you see how God's working around the world. And we have a chance to go to, our, well, I, I've been there, but I'll go with our church maybe this time. <laughs> I guess I, maybe I'll get a t-shirt. Anyway, hey, thanks for sharing. Thanks for all you do in our church as our president. We look forward to next year and what God's going to do. So let's give her a hand, all right? <laughs> Amen. Well, my next friends that are coming, this is uh, um, Carrie and... Um, Oh, yeah, Jeff. Um, he's in my small group. I'm in small group leader. Well, we, yeah, we know that. Um, but anyway, you guys have been involved and have helped us to be involved in a school in Senegal. And so what is God doing down there through what we've been able to do as a church? Yeah, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, being, having an opportunity to go on a missions trip is, is just, it changes your life. Yeah. And uh, we got to experience that about 10 years ago. It was about 2013 where Carrie first went to Senegal. Um, and that was with the church before we moved here, uh, back in Washington State, um, and kind of accidentally stumbled onto the, the school at Bethesda. A little, bit of his, or a little bit of background on Senegal so you guys can get a framework of, of how impactful this, this mission has been. The country is almost entirely Muslim. About 97% of the country is, is going to follow Islam as their primary religion. And then that 3% is made up of a whole bunch of, uh, you know, onesie twosies. It's Christian, it's Catholic, it's some other things as well. Um, it's it, it very much an unreached people group as far as, what, as far as our faith and the Christian faith and, and knowledge about Christ, especially when you get out into the rural areas. And the area where Senegal, or I'm sorry, where, um, where Bethesda is at is a region called Kafrine, which is very much rural. Um, it's a, you, know, you go out and it's a, you're not going to have paved roads. You're going to have very you know, uh, sparing access or, or uh, short access to electricity and cell phone coverage. And even when you get into the villages, it's even more rural than that. Um, about, you know, just to give you some framework, about two out of three people or so are going to live on less than $5 a day compared to you know, what we do here. Wow. Um, with that being said, it is uh, the people there are infinitely more content with what they have than what we have here. It's really a... Um, quite a humbling experience to go and, and, and see what people, uh, how, how happy they are to have what they have as opposed to, you know, what, the things that we get wrapped up in, in here. Um, the schools there are, are something that we really ended up focusing on uh, a lot. Uh, about 83%, you know, four out of five kids uh, mm. will register for primary school, which would be grades, uh, say, K through six. Um, but only about half of those kids, 46% of them, will make it forward into what they call secondary school or what you and I would refer to as junior high. A um, little bit different as far as the grades go. That would be grades 7 through 10. Um, but think of it as that next stage of school. Um, the graduation rate there, though, is really, really poor. Only about 40% of kids will pass what they call their, their national exams, which allow them to move on to the next phase. So what we've been able to see as far as growth in Bethesda uh, before, when the school first started, it was one classroom and it was three students, and I believe they were all the headmaster's kids. Uh, and the headmaster used to get made fun of by the locals, like, this isn't a school, you've only got three students, and they'd kind of, you know, um, tease him about it. Uh, but he stayed the course, and by the time we 
I stumbled onto the school in 2013, I believe. There's probably 50 or 60 students somewhere in there. 90. All right, she, she, was, she was the first one to go. 90? She knows that. 90, 90 students. So it, yeah. had, grown, it had grown yeah, a ton in just three years. What we've been able to be blessed to be a part of since then is, is seeing more growth, where now that school is up to nine classrooms of over 250 kids. It's now preschool all the way through sixth grade, and their graduation rate there is 95%. Um, so the education is outstanding compared to public schools, but you know, also this is, it's Christian content. They're learning about Christ. Um, and you hear frequent stories where, where, where Muslim families will enroll their kids into uh, the school at Bethesda. They'll find out that, uh, that, that Christ's teachings are being taught. They'll pull them out. And then within a few months, they go, gosh, the education's so darn good, we're putting them back in. Uh, and you guys know very well, it's, it's very, very common occurrence that, that parents can come to a knowledge of Christ through their kids that's right. uh, and so that's how you know that's what we put our faith in in this project to to know that good things are happening by by giving these kids a quality education uh, but also giving them that fundamental knowledge of christ and see what happens Amen. yeah so really the overall goal here is we're really fighting fighting poverty while also increasing their knowledge and letting them hear about jesus christ and and the bible in their school so um, you'll see even in, so these pictures here are of the school when my last trip, I know I've given an update um, already to you about my last trip there, but just a refresher because part of this that you're seeing is part of the funds from the GO initiative that you guys have all been a part of and that we are so thankful for and that they are so thankful for there. So when I went last time, they had a huge celebration for and a ribbon cutting ceremony like oh, it was wow. very official and not just the students were there but they invited all kinds of community members wow. so on one side um, of their schoolyard were, were the kids and the students and on the other side were parents and other really significant members of the community including their you know religious leaders leaders wow. Mm -hmm, wow. that came and were in the audience and even spoke during that ceremony thanking us for the education that this school is providing for their students and so that is a really really big deal there and so up there you'll see the ribbon cutting ceremony you'll see the administration building those that was just recently built and opened along with a preschool wing and then also their IT and library. Um, so next you'll see this amazing video. I just want you to put yourself there. So this is when we were visiting and we were walking into the school and this was the welcome that they gave us. I saw goosebumps on somebody's <laughs> arms. <laughs> they were so sweet. So, don't you want to go? Doesn't that make you want to go and go visit those kids and that school? And you have the opportunity to be able to do that. So we are putting together a team to go and um, 
you know, it will mostly focus on the school and being able to, to visit the students there, to visit with the teachers and the headmaster, to hear their vision for the continual growth of the school. Um, also see the community and get to meet people and even go out to some of the villages so that you can see the, the distance, um, that some of the next steps of the phases is to get a, a bus so that more students can be able to attend. Uh, so this is going to be kind of a, a big trip for our church to grow a team beyond you know us and then your financial contributions, but to really be able to, to have more people set foot there and, and see what's going on there. So this um, last video that we want to share with you is, the, again, um, part of this celebration, but it was the secondary kids that had come back to the school because that mm -hmm. is still like where their heart is. They come back after um, their day at their, they've normally gone into the public school because right now Bethesda only goes till sixth grade. So students either um, don't continue on or mm -hmm. they go to the public school. So that's another important piece because this next phase that now we're raising money for is to build the secondary school at Bethesda so that kids grades 7 through 10th can, can attend the school and that is going to be huge so that none of them has to have to leave and get lost again in the system. So this is a big push and if that happens, um, we're hoping to raise the funds really by next month so that this summer they can build the school that addition to the school so then even when we go in November it could be another big celebration so these are the seventh graders that had come back to give a thank you thank you we just want to say we just want to say Wow, can we say thank you to that kind of leadership and, and vision? Um, folks, that's what God's people can do when we come together, and that's what the GO Initiative is all about. Now we have a very special person that's making their way here this morning. Some of you know her, some of you may not. This this is Bessie Black. How many of you know Bessie? Raise your right hand. No, the other right hand. There we go. How many? This is the first time you've seen her. Well, Bessie, it looks like they're all friends. It's a good thing I can't see. Good thing you can't see? Well, you, you and I both, girl. And, and Bessie and Bob have been life, well, I'm just going to say lifelong missionaries. There's something about a call. It's something that God does deep in the hearts of people as he calls them to a special area of service. And over 25 years or so, and most of it in Papua New Guinea. And so uh, Bessie is here to share a little bit uh, and expand on what Kate was saying, our work around the world through mm -hmm. the GO Initiative and the, and the funds that go to the Church of the Nazarene. Thank you. Good morning, Beth. Good morning. Um, 68 years ago, the year Bob and I were married, the Church of the Nazarene planted a hospital in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, the third hospital they have planted in the world and still active today. 
they took a special Easter Sunday offering all over the world for that hospital. Every little church of the Nazarene everywhere in the world contributed to that. And that hospital was placed there. Papua New Guinea is an island nation just north of Australia. Brand new developing, the coast had seen development, but everyone assumed no one lived in the highlands until those World War airplanes flew over it and saw the smoke rising from the villages and the gardens laid out. And then the world rushed after the Second World War to come there and help develop that area. 863 known languages in that country, the largest concentration, highest of anywhere in the world of languages. And um, the people that were supervising that transition into a nation had asked developers to come and bring something, and churches were welcomed. And we said, we'll go, we want to go, God wants us to, and we will bring a hospital. So our doctors and nurses, our nurses came from all over the world, really, there to that hospital and it developed, and the ripples out of that first ministry are still being felt today. All those nurses had a motorcycle and went all through the uh, fording rivers, I couldn't think of the word, fording rivers and preaching in village homes, sitting around fires by people on the floor just like they did, uh, preaching and teaching the gospel, and the missionaries were doing all of that and the people's lives were changed. It's very interesting how suddenly Christ in a person's heart can change their whole life and their culture for the good and for the better, and that was happening constantly there. From the hospital, everyone that ever came for health care and still is shared, the Christ, the Christian story is shared with him. They're taught the plan of salvation. They listen, whether they're sitting on the grass outside waiting for the outpatient department, or whatever they're doing, or if they're a patient in the hospital now with a real bed, but originally just a mat on the floor, they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were very receptive to it. And it was very typical of Papua New Guineans to share that around their own fires at home in their own villages. And the church grew mightily and rapidly out of that. Uh, schools were started. We're following the Jesus ministry of preaching and teaching and healing. Schools were started in that area. Uh, 300 students were very quickly there. Originally, just boys got to come to school, and just boys got to be nurses at the hospital. Fortunately, that changed, and that has uh, bloomed and uh, has fled out of that, flowed out of that wonderful ministries. And um, so preaching and teaching and healing was going out from there. Bible college was started right away for the preaching ministry. Uh, the community school grew and blossomed. Uh, a high school was started there. Uh, the teacher's college was planted also in recent years on the campus of, of uh, the Bible college, just down a ways from the hospital. And the hospital quickly developed a nursing program. By the time Bob and I arrived, every nurse was already a national, and every pastor was already a national. Amen. So the Church of the Nazarene moved rapidly into nationalization, learning, obviously, from previous experiences at other places. And God's work was changing hearts and lives. A young man right in that village himself, White Kintock, named for Wallace White, one of our first missionaries there, and he bloomed in his educational life, and he bloomed in his uh, medical ability. Uh, earlier, they just took grade six graduates into the nursing program called just the local nurse course. He did well in that, and he advanced in his education and further training and uh, bloomed in the medical field. 
Today he's the principal of the College of Nursing. Mm. He's been doing that for years. And blooming, he planted a second church in his own home area. And now, you know, Papua New Guineans are just like our world here. They're flooded now with cell phones and photos on phone and internet, surprisingly, since it wasn't only in the 40s that they ever saw their first white man or first anything outside of their area. So White has been sending pictures all along and stories about taking out students in the College of Nursing on evangelism trips to villages. They're doing health care and they're doing ministry and sharing their testimonies, singing songs and ministering to people. And we get to see the photos of that all the time. White is a big leader in the nation for uh, nursing health care because our way of teaching out in the villages, uh, maternal and child health care has been an example that has been followed now by the national government because it's so good. We teach the highest course of nursing taught in that nation at the Nazarene Hospital there. Education went off into the Bible College and other places, and another young boy was strongly influenced, not from the local area, but from a whole four days walk away and over another mountain, and his name was Thomas. He came from a tribe up there that's thought to be a type of pygmy. Pygmy, because he, adults are about 100 pounds and the women about 90 pounds. And in his area, he walked four days down to the Nazarene Hospital, having heard about it from another missionary's experience down below his area that had built another little airstrip, the Shendels, the missionaries that were there earlier. And he came walking out and he chopped the firewood for one of the early missionary nurses and came to Christ, got the little grade six education offered at that time, felt a wonderful call to preach the gospel and take it back to his people. And he went to the Bible college and when he and his wife finished that training, he took her and their little baby girl and went back to his home area, totally unreceived into the new areas near his old home because they were still living in fear and spirit worship and uh, danger all the time, even from each other. Think of all those languages. It separated them from each other's tribe also. And so everything was built on great fear. And so he just made a nest out in the high kunai grass for his wife and him to live in and care for their little girl. And he went ministering all the time to the infirm and the old, the people that were already neglected in their villages and his loving ministering care and his prayer and his staying and being faithful, the ripples of his ministry and his life flowed out from there and churches were planted all over that area. And the time Bob and I were there, there were already over 50 churches in that area. The Church of the Nazarene was then and has been the only church to go into that entire area. So it's valuable what Thomas is doing there. About the same time Thomas Church was blooming to 300 of his own church people, Bob and I were called back out of retirement to go and do a ministry there in that same area. The government of Papua New Guinea wanted to develop the wonderful coffee industry all over the nation, and it did become the number one uh, export of the nation. And in Thomas's area, up 6,500 feet high in the mountains, it was desired. And they started and planted coffee, but they wanted an airstrip to uh, get that coffee out better and faster to the coffee factories down by the Nazarene Hospital. And they gave the funds wisely to the Church of the Nazarene to supervise so that that job could get done. A tractor was lifted in, a national man was driving it, and he knew how to do that. But as soon as the tractor needed repair or work, he was at a loss. And so the tractor was parked, 
and for the next few years, the airstrip lay idle, just waiting. So in our retirement, Bob said, hey, to the church, we, I still am hungry for that airstrip. I wonder, is anybody helping and making it go? And could we help? And they said yes, and sent Bob and I over there, live in our little yellow bamboo home on that lower airstrip. Bob walked for hours trekking up another thousand feet into that area, lived with Pastor Thomas and his wife, uh, sat around their fire, ate their food. Every morning, walked up another how many feet to the strip itself, sat on the tractor. He, without any tools uh, that take power, he laid under it many times, fixing and fixing his old South Dakota farming days bloomed, and he made the tractor run, and he drove it 10 hours a day for the next two years. The tractor did its job, Bob did his job, the national workmen did their job, and it got finished, completed. It took the government a couple years to decide to license it because then they had to fund it and they didn't have it in the budget, you know how that goes. And um, there came a day that they licensed it and planes landed upon it. There today is an immunization clinic right there. There's a school right there. There's a building with solar lighting where the doctor comes from the hospital once a month for regular visits from a real doctor. Uh, the school brought housing for teachers who loved the idea of going in and out instead of just being in a remote place. There are no roads in the area at all, only trails. Rain every afternoon makes those trails up and down pretty muddy, as Bob found out with his four-hour trek over on Monday and back to me on Friday. And Pastor Thomas's church just bloomed. He soon had a church of 300 himself. And he was training at, uh, almost a dozen young men when we were there, still uh, in pastoral training in Bible college external studies. And he was a very active man in ministry and preaching the word of God. Well, since then, what's flowed out of that area? The ripples. Just this December, which is the school break for students all over in Papua New Guinea, it's the summer, he uh, hosted a youth congress for four days in his area. He had a walkabout sawmill come in, they cut some timber, they built the high walls for a mega, mega building. You don't need walls, you just need the supports. And they had a corrugated metal roof because you couldn't sit out there all in the afternoon rains. Mm -hmm. People sat on the floors, the young people came. Many of them trekked, Papua New Guinea still walk a lot all over. And, but the little airstrip now meant many of them come on a little plane. And the place was packed for four days of a youth congress Amen. for the nation of Papua New Guinea. Well, pictures came from that too. Pictures came from that too. And as far as your eyes could see from the platform, mm. girls are here and boys are here, bright clothing, smiling brown faces, 5,000, 5,000 young people. 4,000 in the Vega building. Thanks they had to build an annex for the other thousand. That has a grass roof and its own altar. 5,000, wow. even for us who were there, can hardly understand that. Yes. But God was moving and working Amen. in the nation. And there they were, Pastor Thomas's dream and his hosting. The young people, they heard about Jesus, confirmed their faith, they grew in grace, they learned new songs, they got great teaching lots of teaching times. Since then, just this last month or so, we've heard those young people, many of them went back to their home areas, wherever it was in Papua New Guinea, and they did it, a repeat of it. 
They just taught the same lessons they'd been taught. They taught them the songs. They praised the Lord. They spoke the words of Christ. We don't know where that's going. Where is something like that going to ripple yeah, on down yeah, to for yeah, the yeah, world and for yeah, the Lord? Yeah. It kind of was happening in the same time as the Asbury Awakening, and I thought, yes, Lord. Um, during our time in Papua New Guinea, most of it spent at the hospital, as you already said. One of the things we had there was the most awesome gardens in the world. Everything grew, fruit, vegetables, all year round. But something Bob and I longed for was an avocado tree. We loved Mexican food and everything we did there had to be made from scratch. And I could do tortillas and I could do salsa, but you don't get guacamole without an avocado. And I wanted an avocado tree, so I want to tell you this at the end of our, my talk. Uh, one of the missionaries said, well, we've got a couple avocado trees on the campus, and I have one, and underneath are growing shoots are coming up all the time. Just come and dig one up, and you plant it, you'll have your avocado tree. And trees just grew so rapidly, so we knew this was great hope. So I did. I took my spade and ran over and put it in there, and I, I planned right at the right corner of our house where to plant that tree. Shot the spade down. I'm telling you, shot is the word, you guys. It's soft, black, rich, and deep soil and you put your spade down and you put that sapling in there patted it down and I nurtured it and nurtured it and cared for it I loved it I could almost taste the guacamole it rained every afternoon I didn't have to water it but I tended it and tended it I bragged on it I was really proud of it and one day a Papua New Guinean friend was coming from her garden, her big string bag of sweet potatoes down her back on her spade. And I said, Topam, come right over here and look at, my, look at my avocado tree. I was so excited and very proud. And uh, she came running over and as she got close to it, she fell over in a, a crouch from the waist and started laughing and laughing and laughing and hiding her face. And I knew in Papua New Guinea, that was not a sign she thought something was funny and getting ready to laugh. It was a sign of deep embarrassment and shame for what she was seeing. And she said, I said, what's wrong? And she says, Bessie, that's not an avocado tree. And I was shocked and disappointed. But I said, oh, next to the avocado tree where I got the sapling under it was a mandarin. Is it a mandarin tree? No, she says, it's not a mandarin tree. And I said, well, is it a yar tree? They're the famous trees they plant in coffee plantations to nutrition, go and put nutrition in the soil. That would be a wonderful tree to have. No, Bessie, it's not a, it's not a, a yar tree either. <clears throat> and I said, look, we got a fireplace in our house. It's cold early in the morning before it turns wonderful spring weather. And I need firewood. I'll bet it's a firewood tree. Could I get something out of this? She says, Bessie. This tree is just a rubbish tree. It's rubbish. That's what we call it. It's a rubbish tree. And it's not good for anything. And as she said, but right over here, look right over here. There's your avocado tree. And she's running with her spade over to the middle of my flower garden and ramming it down in the center there and coming with a sapling with the soil and roots on it and quickly thrusts that one out and puts this one in. That's the real avocado tree probably from my little compost throwings in the middle of the flower bed. And God said to me what he said many times since. Bessie, you were nurturing rubbish carefully and taking all your time and energy and your pride, and you did that, nurtured it along the way, and it was just rubbish all the while. It was never, ever 
going to produce an avocado for you. And all the while, your real avocado tree was there, the valuable, and you were ignoring it. And you took your own decision and you didn't ask anybody in authority who might have led you into the right tree. And you're never going to taste avocado from that tree until you change it and put it the right one. And he said that many times to me, and I just repeat it for you today, because I think a lot of times flowing out from the good others have done and in our own lives, we want something to be produced, not only for our own self like the guacamole, but what God wants to spread, what he wants to do. And our focus has to be on the valuable in God's eyes. And it can't just be on what's so wonderful for us to anticipate that we're doing so wonderfully because it's never going to happen like that for us. We're going to be disappointed. And so my prayer for myself and for us here at this church is uh, look at what we want to produce from this very church and from our hearts as we care about our own lives and we care about our community and we care about the world. Mm -hmm. What do we want to ripple out that will last, mm -hmm. that will be productive and it will be what God wants and at the same time will be just like us getting a taste of guacamole. That's my prayer. Amen and amen. Thank you. Man, that's, uh, you're right Thank there, you. Betsy. I, something I think we need to say to you Thank you. Thank you for giving your lives, you and Pop both. Mm -hmm. you, you put away everything of your own dreams to follow God's leading. Yeah. And we want to, you to know you and I are close to the same age, kind of. We want you to know, Bessie and Bob. And, and Bob couldn't be here today. He's, he's ill. So we're going to pray for him right now. But you just need to hear it from us. Mm, thank you. As the Church of Jesus Christ, thank you mm. for your investment thank in the you. lives of people. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. There you go, Betsy. Thank you. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And as, I, as you sit here with me, I think of that song. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Mm -hmm. See, when you get to heaven, there's going to be folks who are going to come to you. And they're going to say thank you. And you're going to say, who are you? Mm -hmm. And it was because of your investment in an avocado tree. <laughs> and may God bless your guacamole in the years ahead. God rewards you deeply. Mm -hmm. can, can we just... Can we just pray healing over Bob this morning? And, and, you know, when you have a chance, man, will you come and just say thank you to Betsy? They can uh, meet me at the table. Oh, and that's what I was getting to. I think I left a book right by my wife. There's a couple of books I might have left in the chair. And Betsy has written two books that Myrna's holding up. And there's a table right out here. And for... $15, you can get both books. But here's what you're going to get. You're not, it's not just a book. What you're going to get are the stories, more of the stories of what God has done through commitment of her life and Bob's life. 
But Bessie, I think you probably agree with me this morning. Mm. God has called every single one of us to do mm. the same. And through the Go Initiative, mm -hmm. that's what we want to do. That's right. We want to accomplish kingdom mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't want to grow what tree we think needs to grow. Mm -hmm. You've you spoken so powerfully to us mm -hmm. as a church this morning, Bessie. Mm -hmm. We want to grow the tree that God has set out there mm -hmm. for us to grow. Can we just, just pray for Bessie and Bob right now. Can we do that, please? Lord, we thank you for the stories of the victory that you bring. Jesus, you came that all might have life and have it to its abundance. And Jesus, this morning, I pray your blessing on Bessie. I pray right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you yes. would go to Bob right now and yes. touch him in Jesus', Jesus. name. Yes. I pray when Bessie gets back home that he will be feeling better and doing better than he was this morning. And Lord, I thank you for people like Bessie, like Bob, who are willing to sacrifice. But yet, God, you are calling each and every one of us to do the same. And so, Lord, may we hear your voice. May we listen. And may we affect, not just in a program, but may the gospel mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ, all these things that have been shared this morning, mm -hmm. may the gospel of Jesus Christ be heard clearly yes. in our community and in the world. Yes. In thy precious name we ask these things. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Well, this morning, and Bessie, here's your friend. He's back. And... Um, you know, we've been blessed to hear from her this morning. Thank you. But I want to say, I want to say to you, um, even though I'm kind of a new guy around here, hasn't it been great to hear the reports of the powerful moving of God through the Go Initiative of our church? And, and, and so on behalf of the church, you see where... Our, our monies are going. But on behalf of the church leadership and our new pastor that will be here very soon, we just want to say thank you for your sacrifice of giving above and beyond your, your tithes and your offerings. And it's always exciting to watch God work as we give to his kingdom because we can never outgive God. Amen. And uh, these coming 12 months, here's what we'd like to do with our Go Initiative. If you are already involved in the Go Initiative and giving right now, we just want to challenge you and encourage you and thank you to continue to give through the coming year. If you haven't been able to be a part of the Go Initiative, all you have to do is scan that barcode, uh, call the office, we'll get you the information, but it's a way that you can systematically give. Uh, I, I know Myrna and I, we, used to, we love giving to missions, but man, it was hard to gather a, a large sum of money at one time or twice a year. And, and through the Go Initiative, it gives us an uh, opportunity to give monthly. And then God takes that, he multiplies that, and he does some incredible stuff. Amen? God is so good.